Philippians chapter number 2 and verse number 1. If you're there, say amen. Uh, Paul is writing again. He said, "There, If there be therefore any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any bowels and mercies, fulfill ye my joy that you be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord and of one mind. Let nothing be done through strife or vain glory. But in lowliness of mind, let each esteem other better than themselves. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Where do we get that thought process from? That's the Lord. Bible goes on to explain what kind of mind he had, what he done because of the mind of Christ. Verse 6, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, look here, but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. Being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. That's all we'll read tonight. Hopefully we'll move past this in the message and we'll read some other verses. But again tonight, if I could, I want to draw your attention to Paul's letter uh, here to the church of Philippi, to the Philippian people. And I want to preach a very simple thought tonight, uh, if I could, and that is simply this, concerned... uh, Christianity. Uh, Concerned Christianity. Please pray with me and pray for me tonight. Father, in Jesus' name, we do humbly come before you one more time. God, I ask you, Lord, tonight that you touch me. I ask you, God, for that special unction and, uh, Lord, that power that only you can give, God, that comes. Uh, Lord, from on high. Now, Lord, I'm enable and uh, inadequate. Lord, I'm feeble within my, my own strength and my own tongue and my own knowledge and my own thoughts. But, Lord, I pray tonight, God, that you'd take over. I pray tonight, God, that you'd move in a powerful way, Lord, not that I would receive any credit or glory, uh, but God, that the people of God would look straight to you and bless your name for what you do in this place and for these people at this time. Lord, we love you and we praise you and we adore you for all that you've done. Help the preacher one more time tonight and for what you do, I thank you in Jesus' name and for his sake. And all the Lord's people said, Amen and Amen. You may be seated tonight again quickly uh, by way of introduction. You understand now, uh, for those of you who are here this morning, the setting in which the letter is penned. Uh, the Bible said that Paul has begun writing and he's letting this church at Philippi know uh, uh, that there's some great things to be concerned about Uh, one of the things that Paul puts great emphasis on right out of the get go is to be concerned about the saints Uh, uh, this morning we took time and uh, began to see just how important that it is for you and I uh, to be concerned one with another I mean, we're living in the day and hour, friend, where everybody's got that mentality. Uh, am I my brother's keeper? Uh, in a sense, you are. Somebody help me right there. Uh, in a great sense, you are. 
your brother's keeper. Uh, my friend, the Bible said uh, uh, that it's better to have two. The Bible said uh, that two are better than one. For if the one fall, the other one lift him up. Uh, my friend, I don't know about y'all, uh, but there's been some times in my life uh, uh, where it was a blessing uh, to have some genuine Christian people in my life that loved me. I found myself on the down and out. Any y'all been there? I found myself on the far end of discouragement. I found myself believing the lies of the devil and a good brother or good sister in Christ. I'd come by my way, show a little concern. I'd give me a little, a little boost, a little encouragement to help me go one more mile, fight one more battle, sing one more song, preach one more sermon. My friend, we ought to be concerned tonight about the saints of God. The Bible makes much of the church. You know, we take for granted, I think, how precious this is. Not necessarily this building. This building's made with hands. But the body. The body is within the building tonight. Well, hello. Everybody get your back to snap in today. The body is within the building tonight. If you've been saved by the blood of Jesus and your name has been written in the Lamb's book of life, you are a part of the body of Christ uh, here tonight. And the Bible said as a body, all parts of the body are important. Uh, may I say some would look at the body and say, well, uh, without a shadow of a doubt, uh, ain't no question the mind is more important than uh, the head, if you will. The brain is more important than the finger. But I I don't know about that. I understand the brain is vitally important. Uh, but you cut your fingers off and see how uh, how well your body performs for a while. I mean, I understand there's people that can get used to uh, having things wrong with their body, infirmities and injuries and things like that. Uh, but my friend, it's all important. Uh, here's the key for the body to function properly. Uh, can I say tonight uh, that every single one of you in this building tonight, uh, you've got a great job uh, and you bring great emphasis to the body of the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, uh, my friend, God didn't say not one of us had uh, to sit on a pew and sit back and watch the show. Uh, you say, what can I do? I'll tell you a good starting place is show up. And then once you show up, get involved. Uh, I say it all the time. Y'all are not an audience. Uh, you're not here to be entertained or moved or persuaded. My friend, you're a congregation. That means you're just as much a part of this service as I am or anybody else. It starts uh, in the pew when you realize uh, uh, that we need one another. We need one another. I need you, you need me. Are you with me? We need one another. And so Paul has put great emphasis on the saints of God. I want to draw attention quickly if I could, uh, real just real quickly, uh, and go back and, and read uh, uh, verse number, let's look at verse number three. Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory. Does anybody know what vainglory is? That means if you want a pat on the back, just don't do it. 
Come on, somebody. I mean, if you need, if you see something needs done, you ought to do it. But if you're doing it for the praise or the approval uh, of men for you and yourself, you, you've got the wrong motive. Uh, my friend, if you come in on a weekday and you've got a key and you come in and clean, uh, uh, nobody knows who done it, but look here. Thank God there is one uh, that sits high and he looks way down low and he's paying attention to everything uh, that the body's doing on the on behalf of the cause of Christ. Uh, my friend, don't do it for the praise or the applaud of men. Do it for God tonight. Do it for God. Whatever you do, do with all your might to the glory of God the Father. And so Paul makes mention, don't do anything in strife or vain glory. Look here, verse 3, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem other better than themselves. Look at here, verse 4. Look not every man on his own things. Boy, we, hey, hey, we hit a wall right there, didn't we? Let not, let not every uh, man look on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Now, what Jesus do, we talked about this morning, I'm not going to try to re preach all that. But what did Christ do when He came to be born of a virgin? Lived 33 and a half perfect sinless years. The Bible said that He was tempted in all points as we are, yet without sin. Why did He live the life He lived? Why did He endure the shame and the pain? Why did He crawl, crawl up on a cross? Uh, my friend, that was not His. Why did He shed His own blood uh, on behalf of the sin of the whole world? Why did He pray to the Father uh, concerning the very men that had just spat on Him? Just punched him. Just plucked his beard out. Just suck, suck a, uh, stuck a crown of thorns uh, uh, deep into his brow. And he looked up to heaven. And he said, Father, forgive them. Uh, for they know not what they do. You know what he was doing? He was esteeming others higher and more worthy than he did his own self. And he was the Son of God. The Son of God looked on the needs of others. You know what he seen? Their need for a savior. He didn't see. He he wasn't looking at his sovereignty. He wasn't looking at his supremacy. He's the supreme being. He's not only we believe this. Shout amen right here. He was not just a form of God. He was God. The Bible said that three that bear record in heaven, the Father, the Son, the Holy Ghost, and all three are one. Jesus said over and over and over, me and my Father and I are one. He looked at them and He told them disciples, told others. Uh, he said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. I mean, we believe that Jesus was not only the Son of God, but He was God. Uh, wrapped in flesh, the Bible said uh, that the Word was made manifest uh, and became flesh and dwelt among among us and here he is his whole ministry is about others not just the others in the present realm you realize when he was on that cross he didn't just see them soldiers he seen you well if somebody don't get help me tonight I'm going to throw this bottle of water at you he's seen you I mean, God in heaven, from this morning to the night, have you already forgot how good it is how to be a child of the King when He was hanging on the cross? He had you and me on His mind tonight. Thank God He loved us so much. He was more concerned about us than He was Himself. And so, in these last days, we've preached on Cry Baby Christianity. We've preached on 
uh, carnal Christianity. We preached on cold Christianity. Tonight we're dealing with, again, uh, this simple thought about concerned uh, Christianity. I said it this morning, but this is the most selfish generation that's ever walked on planet Earth. Amen. Ain't nobody cares about anything or anybody but themselves. And somehow or another, this mentality, and it's carnal mentality, but it's crept into the hearts and the minds of the people of God. Amen. We're no longer concerned about one another. Well, I don't know what old so-and-so's being. I can tell you right now, if they don't get fixed, God's going to rain judgment down on them. Won't you quit talking like that and just be concerned and check on them? Help us, Lord. Come on, somebody. I mean, my bless God, they ain't been in church in a month. They must be trying to prove a point. Quit being stupid. Just check on them. Help me, somebody. I mean, they don't need, they know what's right. If they've been in church any length amount of time, they know it's not all right to miss church. You ain't got to tell them. Come on, somebody. The Holy Ghost, if they're saints, done been telling them, get to church. They don't need you to light them out. That's what they got an under-shepherd for. When it's time to get lined out, God will tell me to tell you. But until then, all they need you to do is esteem their needs before your own. Love people where they are, not where you want them to be. You ain't always going to be satisfied with where everybody's at. If you're going to love them where you want them to be, you ain't going to love very many of them. Amen, amen, amen. My granny's dead and in glory tonight. But I'm going to tell you something. Every time we sat down at a restaurant with that lady, it wasn't nothing ever good enough. My line, nothing. You could have took her to the Trump Tower and had the best chef in America, the one cooking for the President of the United States of America, make her a steak and something would be wrong with it. You with me? That's how she was. Bless her heart. Eat 40, 50% of it, send it back to the kitchen, get her another 40, 50% plus some. Amen. Wasn't ever content with her food. I said that to say this. You know how I many Christians come in? Ain't nothing. They're served all kinds of good meals. It ain't never good enough. Well, I like a little bit of what he had to say today, but. I'm just going to ask you, what is your problem? Amen. I mean, Brother Jeff, I mean, I don't know what's that. What's your problem? What's your problem? If I'm preaching this, the problem ain't with what's being said, neighbor. Come on, somebody. I'm going to tell you what it is. We're not concerned about anybody or anything but self. Amen. Amen. Preach that message. I preached it all over the country on John the Baptist and his death. They killed that joker because they didn't like what he said. They didn't like what he said. Herodias and Herod locked him away in prison, cut his head off because he had to reprove them of their sin. You know what's amazing? Herod's been shouting him on the whole time. I wish I could dive into this more when I'm preaching. Never got to. But if you'll go back and read the things that Herod had to say about John, they were all good. Are you with me? Everything they said, he's a man sent from God. I mean, I ain't never seen a, a preacher no better, man. He's he's a man, he is the man. Until he come up knocking on his door and said, Hey, Herod, the Lord needs to talk to you about that fornication, adultery. 
Your brother Philip's out somewhere and you're sleeping with his wife. And so the preacher's come to tell you that you're going to have to stop all that. Help me somebody. Come on. So you might as well say amen or owe me. That's still in the Bible. And he was shouting John the Baptist on the whole time he's preaching from the wilderness until he starts preaching to him. You don't know why? He really wasn't concerned about nobody but himself. You know what ought to do you good when you see somebody get under conviction, get broke, come to the altar, and get right with God? It ought to make you want to shout. Yes, sir. And I think we don't have this problem, I don't think, in this church. We may, if I, we don't know about it. But I know churches, people scared to death get out of the, get out of the pew and come to the altar because everybody's going to sit around trying to figure out why they came. What in the name of God have we turned church into? I mean, people scared to come up and do business with God because instead of the people rejoicing that one of their brothers or their sisters has been spoken to and God has dealt with them, it may not be that they're wrong. They might just come up and say thank you, but they're scared to move because they're so worried about what everybody else is going to say about why they came. That's the stuff that we deal with in churches, country churches. I've said, this, said all that to say this. You ought not be concerned about everybody's issues. Just be concerned about everybody. Amen. Well, if I'm going to have to plow right here tonight, I will, but I don't want to, but I will. Just level. Amen. Care for one another. Esteem them others more than yourself. Got a little something I want to do tonight. This ain't for me. I ain't doing this for vainglory. You with me? I'm not doing this for vainglory. We just read it. The Bible said, let nothing be done through strife or vainglory. I don't want a hand clap from nobody. I don't want a pat on the back. I don't want no, nothing. I don't want nothing. But I do want to do something the Lord told me to do today. Preach this message and that $100 bill thing, my wife blessed me to death. I give that to her. I mean, she was weeping. I thought, poor girl ain't never got no money to give to her in her life. Bless your heart. I'm teasing. But it blessed me, boys. I'm telling you. She got broken over that. Man, it blessed my soul. And then after church, my mother-in-law. You know God was working this morning. <laughs> I ain't no way around. My mother-in-law come up, hugged me, told me she loved me, and handed me a $100 bill. I'm framing that joker. I'm putting that on the wall. You know it's the Lord when your mother-in-law's giving you a hundred dollars, boys. Amen. God took care of me. Give me my money back. He didn't have to do that. I didn't do that to get money back. But he took care of me. Y'all with me? Talking about putting your needs, or excuse me, putting, yeah, putting your needs on the back burner and esteeming others more than yourself. I'm talking about concerned Christianity. And uh that brother Shelby is supposed to be helping me. I don't know if he's went and smoked a cigarette or what he's doing, but he's taking a while. I told him, I said, I'm going to get to a point. I want to do something tonight. Now, this is, again, not for vain glory, but this is what God spoke to my heart about. And I said, we might get stuck tonight. We might, right here, we might just get stuck. Come on, brother Shelby. Uh, this ain't going to mean a whole lot to nobody. Uh, nobody else. But the other day, Brother Deacon come up. We've been working on the house. And uh, he had one of these tool chests. And I thought, boy, that's, that's the nicest thing I believe I've ever seen. I had all my stuff thrown in a, 
uh, one bag crammed in. I mean, couldn't find nothing. Had to dig for 45 minutes to find it. These things are nice. and uh, So I went next day. Matter, fact of matter, I went the very next day and I bought me one. And I've been working out of it. And boy, it's nice. Uh, but today, I was thinking about what God had done this morning and putting others before myself and the Lord put it on my heart. Uh, Brother Caleb has been up there working as well. And uh, he's just got a couple old tool bags. He's got a bunch of tools thrown together and ain't got nothing to organize them with. And the Lord said, you want to live what you preach? I said, well, yeah, Lord. I said, I thought I did that this morning. He said, I ain't done yet, son. Said, what do you mean you ain't done? Lord, I'm broke. What are you talking about? He said, uh, you need to go Lowe's. And said, uh, oh, Brother Caleb has a need too. Now you met your need. You went and bought yourself one. He needs one. I'm not doing this. I've done told you for verse number three, vainglory. This ain't, this ain't about me. Are y'all with me? Stay with me now just for a little bit. I'm going somewhere. Brother Caleb did not ask for nothing. Are you with me? God, the Holy Ghost. You can believe what you want. I really care less. The Holy Ghost put it in my heart to go say, here's what I want to do. I've esteemed myself and met my needs. But now it's time for me to meet his needs. Are you with me? So, Brother Caleb, I want you to come get your new toolbox. And, uh, amen. Come right on. That's his. And uh, can I tell you all something? I need you to hear me right here. You're better off to give than you all receive. Are you with me? a good boy right there. Now, he ain't got her all lined out, but he's hanging in there and he's going to learn. And he's going, hey, he'll make he'll make a wonderful man of the church if he'll just hang tight. I ain't saying he ain't now, but he'll hang in there. God's going to use him. He's got a desire. And every now and then, listen to me. I've said all that to say this. Every now and then, all you've got to do is be obedient. How many times has God said something similar to you? Like what he spoke to me and you said, nah, I'm good, Lord. I can't afford that right now. Well, he may be testing you see how faithful and obedient you're going to be. And if you're really living by faith and if you'll do something small like that, he's liable to bless your socks off. Oh, yes. Are you with me tonight? I mean, I'm going to try to move on, but I, we got, folks, we've got to get this in our heart. We've got to be concerned about others. We've got to put others above ourselves. When you see your brother, your sister, they may or may not even have a need, but God moves in your heart to do something. And God moves in your heart to be there for them. God moves in your heart a simple handshake or a simple text or a simple hug sometimes goes along. Long, long way. Just love one another. Love the saints. We ought to be concerned about the saints. The Bible said in Psalms 133, 1, Behold how good and how pleasant it is for the brethren to dwell together in unity. John 13, 34, a new commandment I give unto you that you love one another. Look here, God has given us an order that we love one another as He has loved us. Come on, Baptists don't like that verse. He said to love each other like He loves you. So, 
Let me remind you, when so-and-so says or does something that brings shame to your name and puts, puts, a, puts a black spot on your reputation, I wonder how guilty you are of doing the same thing to the Lamb of God. When so-and-so gets stupid and does something that just don't make no sense and brings reproach to you, I wonder if you'll take a walk down memory lane and realize uh, you're guilty as charged uh, we're commanded to love one another like the Son of God loves us. He's loved me through my imperfection. He's loved me through my mistakes. He's loved me through bad and poor decision making. He's loved me when I was unfaithful. I can't stand this crowd when somebody gets out of church and they get unfaithful. All they want to do is kick them while they're down. They're never coming back. They're never getting in. If you don't love them like Jesus loved you. Four years, me and my family was out. Didn't go to church. Living for the self about blowing my whole life apart. You know what I found out at the end of those four years? He still loved me. Isn't that amazing? He still loved me. I wonder how many people all they need to know from their church is that they're still loved. They'd probably come back. <laughs> Amen. I don't try to I don't try to witch it don't. It ain't a wound no more. God's healed it. It's all fixed. But all that deal with Brother Chris, there's many times I'd, you know, through those two years, two and a half years, whatever it was, had an opportunity. Most of the time it was in person. So I want you to know I love you. He'd tell me. I love you too. Let me tell you something. Love, the Bible said, love covers the multitude of sins. You need to love one another. We need one another. Are you with me? Brother Sean, Brother Eric, all these men, we need to love one another. Brother Rajo, I love him. I need him. He needs me. And I know he don't probably agree with this, but he needs Shelby too. Shelby needs Rod Joe. You with me? We need each other. We need to love one another. Paul's putting great emphasis on being of one mind and one accord and putting your putting the needs of others before the needs of yourselves. And so, I want to try to move on if I can. The Bible said in 1 Peter 3, 8, Finally, be ye of all of one mind, having compassion one of another, Love as brethren, be pitiful, be courteous. First Corinthians 1.10 Now I beseech you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you all speak the same thing, that there be no divisions among you, and that you be perfectly joined together in the same mind and the same judgment. Colossians 3.14 Above all things, uh, put on charity, which is the bond of perfectness. Charity is love. Paul says here in Philippians 2, Verse 2, that we be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. Of one mind. John 13, 35 said, By this shall all men know that you are my disciples, if you love one to another. First Peter 4, 8, And above all things, have fervent charity among yourselves, for charity shall cover a multitude of sins. You know the Bible still says to do good unto all men, but especially those of the household of faith. You ought to be a blessing and love everybody, but you ought to especially... 
love the brethren. Let me move on. Things to be concerned about. Number one, we ought to be concerned about saints. The saints. Number two, this really probably should be at the number one of the list, but it's the way it falls in the text. Number two, we ought to be concerned about the Savior. Now, I may not get no further than this. I don't know. But I want you to look with me. In verse number five. The Bible said this, Let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, and took upon him the form of a servant, was made in the likeness of men, and being found in a fashion as a man, he humbled himself, and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross, wherefore God also hath highly exalted him. Now notice, Christ did not exalt himself, he humbled himself. And just like God done for him, he'll do for you. If you'll humble yourself, God will exalt you. Amen. Come on somebody. Especially in the preacher world, all the preachers want to be in the spotlight. You ain't going to get opportunities to preach and God's not going to open doors if you've got your chest stuck out. It's being humble. It's getting up every time God does open a big door for you. Getting up and looking at them people and saying, I don't know why I'm here. Help me somebody. If I was a preacher, I'd have picked somebody else. You know what that's doing? It's letting them know I don't think I'm everything. Yeah. I'm not somebody. I love the way Jack Patterson said it. I think he got it from uh, from Lester Roloff. He said, I'm just a beggar trying to tell another beggar about something. I don't remember. I've done messed it up. But anyhow, how to get a piece of bread. That's exactly what we are. I'm just an old beggar trying to tell the rest of the world how to get a crumb. Tell, tell them how to get to Jesus. That's all I am. Notice what he says here in verse number Verse number 9, Wherefore God also hath highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus. Isn't it amazing that Muhammad ain't going to do nothing? Right. Isn't it amazing that Buddha? Oh, i got to tell you all this. My, my, my. So, the other night I was sitting at the house. I was pretty hungry. Hungry. Y'all know what that is. And uh, my in-laws had had Chinese and they said I could have some of it, but I, I didn't think they'd have enough for me. I mean, because I got a pretty big you know, tank to fill. And uh, so I just run down there. Because I'm going to run down there and you should me something. I had to go to Walmart, pick up groceries. And under God, I'm telling you the truth. As soon as I walk in there, that little Chinese woman was bowed down on her knees. Now, in front of everybody, with her little Buddha in the corner and candles and all that, and she was doing all this and praying out loud to her little G-God. <laughs> and I seen that. And I went on and got my plate of food. I said, I ain't going to say nothing. The Lord said, right on. I said, I ain't none of my business. Well, last I checked, I told you going to all the world preach the gospel to every creature. The Lord, she's been stuck in her ways. I mean, my God in heaven, she's bowing down right in front of everybody. You know, let's time out real quick. What about that? Yeah. Her God's as dead as a hammer. Yeah. She ain't been ashamed of it. Yeah. She's coming to our country. Yeah. Come on, somebody. Yeah. It'd been easy maybe at home when they're all just young. But when you come to America, Buddha ain't the God of America. Right. Come on, somebody. She wasn't a bit ashamed. We can't stand for our God in our own country. 
Christians all over the world, people at work cuss him like a dog, GD this and GD that. Listen, I ain't trying to tell you you line everybody out, but when they start cussing your God, you won't say so. I pull up a whole lot. But I can't handle that one. There she was, and I was trying to get out of it. Made it through, my whole meal made it all the way out in my truck and started it. And the Holy Ghost said, are you really going to leave? Knowing that woman's going to hell. Oh, Lord, there's 25 of them jokers, and they, they don't karate. That's <laughs> right, seriously. First thing I thought, I'm about to get my tail handed to me. But I said, I'll do it, Lord. If I got two black eyes, it's because I love you. Got me trapped. I walked in there. I said, ma'am, can I talk to you? As soon as I reached my hand, she said, oh, thank you. Have a good day. She knew. She knew. She said, oh, no, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Have a good day. I said, I can't leave. Oh, y'all, you're dying. You've got more food. You're going to say, no, 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 no. I can't leave without telling you about a man named Jesus. She was very uncomfortable. And so was I, really. And I didn't know where the nunchucks was coming out or what was coming out. But I told her, I said, ma'am, I don't know what you can understand what I'm telling you, but I want you to read this. And I just told her. They was all, you know when you first walk in the wall wing, there's a dark, there's a tables right here to your right so you walk in. That's where they all eat. Do school and karate and all that stuff. Whatever they're doing. Every time I walk in, there's 40 in there. Too bad. <laughs> and I walked in, she'd sit down. They was all gathered around. I thought, yeah, I'm like, God, I'm about to get my tail whooped. God told me to say it. I had that track stick to walk off. I said, man, I got to tell you something. I said, that little God in your corner? I said, is that your God? Yes. I said, he's dead. Amen. I had to. She said, no, 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 no. I said, yes, ma'am, he's dead. But Jesus resurrected on the third day. He was seen among those disciples and 500 witnesses. And he ascended up and he said, I got to go away, but I will come again. I said, ma'am, he's coming back again. Did she read that? Probably not. Hope she did, but I've done my part. I'm not going to stand at the great white throne and the whole little Chinese family from Corbin, Kentucky come up at the great white throne. By the way, they're going to be begging God. Right. Well, I'm convicted right now. They're going to be begging God to give them another chance. What are you saying? I'm talking about being concerned about things. That woman's soul is precious to the Lord. She's in there going like this and doing all her rituals to her dead God and the Lord Jesus sitting in heaven saying, I died for you. I died for you. What about Muslims? They're willing to fly airplanes into Twin Towers and blow themselves up in the name of Allah. We can't even get out of bed on Sunday morning for our God. Come on, somebody. Why are you preaching like this? Because I'm telling it right. And you know I'm telling it right. They'll blow themselves up and not think two seconds about it. For their God that is dead and dried up, he's nothing but a corpse, bones, and dust. Our God living forevermore. We can't get out of bed on Sundays. Well, well I really went, but you know, I just had that man in my head just been hurting a little bit trying to tear that. Come on, people. We're running out of time. 
Talk about being concerned. Are you, let me say, are you concerned about the Savior tonight? Do you really care what he thinks? We all say we do. Brother Johnson Schutz, a good friend of mine, I love what he, he posted. He said, you know, I see all. He said, my Facebook this whole weekend has been filled with people posting about how prophecy is being fulfilled. And, you know, Russia's in uh, Ukraine and the Lord's coming and we're running out of time. He said, I wonder how many of y'all has been posting this all weekend. We'll be at church on Sunday. What, that's the thing. We've reached the fairy tale somehow or another where we talk and we, we act like we believe it, but your actions speak louder than your words. Are you really concerned about Jesus, the Savior, tonight? May I say, number one, you ought to be concerned with the Savior's life. Verse number five through verse number 11. You know what his life was? It was laid down. Don't you ever believe the lie that the soldiers took his life? I need y'all to act like independent Baptists saved on your way to heaven right here. Ain't no mortal man ever took the life of Jesus Christ. He took his life up by his own power and he laid her down by his own power. He gave his life for us tonight. You ought to be concerned about the Savior's life. Why should you give your life to him? Because he gave your life for you. Ain't nobody in here most likely going to have to lose your head for the cause of Christ. We're headed that way. It's eventually coming, but I think we're raptured out of here before too long. And we might. We might see. I don't know. I can't tell you that. But I wonder who would be willing to get on the chopping block. Well, hello, crickets. Is there any mamas and daddies you love the Lord enough? Leave your babies behind for the cause of Christ? Would you denounce your faith when they ask you, are you a Christian? And if you say yes, they're going to behead you. And if you say no, they're going to let you go. That's tough. What are you going to say? Talk about are we really as concerned about the Savior as we say we are? I wonder if they come in, what kind of pastor do you have? They come in and said, if you walk in that church and preach one more message, you're going to prison for life. wonder if I'd take the guts. I think, I think I would. But if I ain't right with God, I've been in my flesh, walking in my flesh. I look at my little family, I'm going to disappoint y'all. I'm going to disappoint him. If I'm really not concerned with the Savior. Are you really concerned with me? I know it's quiet tonight, and I know it's solemn, and I know it's still. But I wonder, are we concerned as Christians? Are we concerned about the saints? Do we love each other? Are we concerned about the Savior? Are we concerned about His life? Are we concerned about His love? How concerned are you with the love of Christ? I mean, if you was really fixated and focused on the love of Jesus, how much better would you love one another? You know why we're so quick to get angry with one another and not love through problems? Because we're not thinking about how He loves us. His entire life here on this earth, you know what it spoke of? His love. May I say this? Every step He took on planet earth was a step of love. Every word He spoke was a word, a statement, a 
proclamation of love. Every skeptic he had to endure was out of love. Every battle he had to fight was out of love. Every strike that was placed upon his back was out of love. Every hair that was plucked from his beard was out of love. Every hammer, every time the hammer struck the nails, it rang a song through eternity that Jesus loves you and me. And I say them angels were on the edge of their seats ready to destroy the whole world. Only thing they had ever seen was God, the Son of God, and the Holy Ghost in sweet unity and fellowship in a place called heaven. But Jesus left and lived among mortal men and mortal men treated Him worse than dirt. You know what them angels wanted to do? They wanted to destroy this entire planet. They could not understand. They could not fathom. But that's why the Bible says that men, you're going to have a song that not even the angels can sing. They don't know what it's like to be saved by grace. Somebody ought to help me tonight. Y'all remember where you was when God found you? Hallelujah. I remember where some of you was. It makes me want to shout for you. I remember where you was when you walked in the doors. Steelwater Baptist Church, you was quick on your way to hell. You didn't have no hope. You had no help. There was absolutely nothing that was going your way in life. Oh, but hallelujah that the Savior of glory took time to speak out of your heart to draw you to Himself. He loves you tonight. Why should we be concerned with the Savior? Because He's concerned with us. He's concerned with us tonight. We must consider the Savior, His life, and His love. I say this, the Bible said in 1 John 4, 19, we love Him because He first loved us. Thirdly, I want to ask you something. As a concerned Christian, I'm about done. Not only should you, you ought to be concerned about the saints and concerned about the Savior, but you ought to be concerned about lost souls. Listen to me, folks. I told Brother Shelby last night, I don't know what in the world's going on with the Lord burdening my soul like He has, but I have been more burdened to witness in the last couple of weeks than, than man in a long time. I've done it throughout my whole ministry, but I'm talking about doing it with a burden. I'm talking about not just handing out a trap but then going home and crying about that and weeping, saying, God, please do something in their heart. Let me ask you something. Serious question. When's the last time you were so concerned about someone who was lost that you wept broken before God on their behalf? When's the last time? Churches used to do it all the time. They'd gather in. I've heard stories. Old, them old Holy Ghost women would gather in the church and they'd come and they'd pray for the lost. Their preacher would come in on Sunday and the power of God fall and people from the whole community would be drawn and would draw, come to church and get born again. The church would grow. It's because people had a burden. Yeah. You know what the Bible says? Well, there is no vision. The people perish. Let me tell you something. If we're not burdened for sinners, don't expect to see a bunch get saved. Right. We all say we're concerned and we're burdened about the lost. And every time we take a prayer request, preacher, we just need to pray for those who are lost. All right? Who's praying? I wonder this week whose mouth uttered these words. God, so-and-so's lost. I'm begging you to save them. I wonder how many people really prayed that prayer this week. Are you concerned with lost souls? Look in verse number 12. I'm going to show you from the Bible what he says to them concerning the lost. 
I'm preaching my text. Verse number 12, Paul again writing to the church of Philippi about being concerned about some things. He said, Wherefore, my beloved, as ye have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more my absence, work out your own salvation, fear and trembling. For it is God which worketh in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. Do all things without murmurings and disputings. Why? Why should we, why should we be happy about serving Jesus? Well, you got somebody watching you. Verse 15. That ye may be blameless and harmless, the sons of God, without rebuke. Look here. In the midst of a crooked and perverse nation. Look now, look, look. Among whom ye shine as lights in the world. You know what Paul's telling them they need a concern for? Lost souls. Why don't we need fussing and fighting? Why does everybody need to be in one mind, same mind, same accord? Why is it important that we love the saints and we're concerned about the saints and we're concerned about the Savior? I'm going to tell you why. It's not just that He can receive glory. It's because the world is lost and quick on their way to hell and they need to see the light of the gospel shine through you and me. You ain't being a lot at work, but all you do is grumble, complain about how late you had it. You was kept on Sunday night at church. Right, right. Well, preacher hadn't kept until nine thirty last night. I wouldn't be late this morning. Wonderful way to win them. Helping somebody. I mean, that's just a grand opportunity to blow a chance to see God do something in their life. You blew it. You with me? When you're fussing and fighting, which we don't, but if we were fussing and fighting and bickering, I mean, I've been in church services, neighbor, where you know there was some people in their laws and they had a business meeting. Oh, God in heaven. That turned into a brawl. And these people right there lost. You think they want anything to do with God? These people's the meanest bunch of junkyard dogs I've ever seen in my life. I mean, they fussed and fighting over the brand of paper towels we used last Sunday at homecoming, and Miss So and So supposed to have left her bananas out of banana pudding, put it in there, and my kid had an allergic reaction, so I'm gonna need some money from the deacon to pay for the doctor bill. Come on, hello, y'all in another world tonight. I'm talking about we ought to be concerned about lost souls. Paul tells them, you're supposed to be a light in a crooked and a perverse generation. You know what the Bible says in Acts 26, 18? It says to open their eyes and turn them from darkness to light, from the power of Satan unto God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins, inheritance among them. Verse, uh, Romans uh, 10, verse 1, Brethren, uh, Paul writing, said, My heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they might be saved. 2 Peter 3, 9, the Bible said, The Lord is not slack concerning His promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to usward, not willing, I love this, that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. You with me? Oh, so-and-so at work that you can't stand. And you've looked them right in their God-given eyeballs and told me you can just go to hell. Well, they will. Help me, somebody. They probably will. And one day, you're going to stand at the judgment at the great white throne judgment. Here they come. And their poor attitude ain't going to matter when they're begging you and begging God and asking God why you didn't do your part and why they didn't mean as much as you did 
it, or so we thought, while we were more concerned with us going to heaven than we were them. Let me ask you something. How many of y'all really believe in a real place, a literal place called hell? Y'all really believe in it? You believe what the Bible says about it? It's a place of outer darkness. It's a place of weeping and wailing, gnashing of teeth. It's a place where the worm dies not and the fire is not quenched. It's a bottomless pit. If we really believe all that, I don't care who it is. The worst enemy you've ever made on planet earth. Surely to God, you wouldn't, ever, you wouldn't want anybody to ever have to endure that place. Can I say God didn't create hell for us? Who did he create it for? I've heard two or three right there. The devil and his angels. God ain't never sent not one soul to hell. If men go to hell, they go rejecting the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Be concerned about lost souls. What did Paul tell them to be? Told them to be a light. Verse 15 tells you exactly what to be, a light. You know what the Bible says about that in Matthew 5, 14? The Bible said, Ye are the light of the world. A city that's set on a hill cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel. Put it on a candlestick and it giveth light unto all that are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. I love 1 Peter 2, 9, but you are a chosen uh, generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people, that you should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. I preached a message one time on this. 2 Corinthians 4, verse 3 and 4. But if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost. In whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. Listen, you want to know why the people is doing what they're doing? And you can't understand it because they're lost. They're in the darkness. Their minds are blinded. They don't know no better than to live like a sinner. They can't understand why you go to church five nights a week for revival. They don't understand that. They do think it's stupid. You want to know why? They're blinded. Maybe if they seen Jesus in you a little more, they might get a glimpse of that light. Get a little bit more understanding as to something is going on down there that they have that I don't. You want to know what? Uh, you want to know what will draw everybody out of their house this evening on Ferriston Road? Is if we all go out and get about five or ten gallon buckets all the men of gasoline go over and pour it all over that brick building and light it. They're going to come from everywhere to see the church burning. They'd come, it wouldn't matter what it was, if it was just a big breast fire and got out of hand. They'd come from one end of Ferriston to the other to see what's going on. Where'd all that, where is all that light, smoke, fire? What is going on? How many of y'all seen that? They can't help it. When the fire is lit, people can't help but wonder what's going on. What's making that thing burn so bright? I wonder if our church really got on fire. How many people would come just out of curiosity to see what in the world is going on around here? The Lord's been blessed us with visitors. We had a couple this morning, first-timers. Thank the Lord. Old fellow seemed to enjoy it. He got him hugged me. I hope he did. Never know. But he did hug me. Smiled. Seemed to enjoy themselves. I hope they come back. But if they don't, I'm not going to quit what I'm doing. I'm going to keep coming in and asking God to light the fire one more time.
light the fire one more time. Somebody's going to see that fire burning come down here and they're just going to get hooked on what's taking place. God's going to grab them. They're going to get in the family of God. Fourthly, and I'm done. And I will finish this tonight. Thank the Lord. This is what I told you this morning. Be concerned about saints. Be concerned about the Savior. Be concerned about lost souls. But then, fourthly tonight, in Paul's writing, you know what he asked the church of Philippi to be concerned about? The under-shepherd. Be concerned about the preacher. Look with me in verse 19. Verse 19. The Bible said, but I trust in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy uh, shortly unto you that I also may be of good comfort when I know your state. Paul's now writing to this church. He said, I have no man like-minded who will naturally care for your state. For all seek their own, not the things which are Jesus Christ. Don't that sound like the preachers of today's generation? But ye know the proof of him. In other words, Timothy's proven himself. How? That as a son with the father, speaking of him and, and Timothy, he hath served with me in the gospel. Him therefore I hope to send presently so soon as I see how it will go with me. But I trust in the Lord that I also myself shall come shortly. Uh, yet I suppose it necessary to send <coughs> to you uh, Ephrontitis, my brother, and companion and labor and fellow soldier, but your messenger that he ministered to my wants. And uh, the Bible said, verse 26, for he longed after you all and was full of heaviness because that you had heard that he'd been sick. For indeed he was sick, nigh unto death. But God had mercy on him, not only uh, on him only, but also uh, on me also, lest I should have sorrow upon sorrow. I sent him therefore the more care carefully that when you see him again you may rejoice and that I may be the less sorrowful. Look here. Receive him therefore in the Lord with all gladness. Hold such in reputation because for the work of Christ he was nigh unto death not regarding his life to supply your lack of service toward me. You ought to be concerned about the under shepherd. A few reasons. Number one, Paul writing, I want you to consider the under shepherd's message. The under, under shepherd's message. Look at verse 19. He said, I trust the Lord Jesus to send Tim, uh, Timothy shortly unto you that I may be of good comfort when I know your state. Look here. For I have no man like-minded who would actually care for your state. You know what he said? I ain't got no choice but to send Timothy. Stay with me now. Give me, give me seven minutes. I ain't got no choice but to send Timothy. Why? Because of his message. He's the only one like-minded. Let me tell you, there's, a, there's preachers a dime a dozen, but find you one that's going to stand and really preach. They're hard to find. You know what you're supposed to do? Consider the under-shepherd. I, I ain't talking about build me a, a, a platform stand on prayed me through downtown Corbin. I'm asking for your prayers. I need your prayers. If you think doing what I'm doing every week, preaching a straight and narrow way and standing against the world and standing against sin, standing against the contemporary movement, standing against all the conform, uh, conformity and compromise, you're crazy. It ain't easy to do what I'm trying to do, but I can do it with the help of the Lord. Consider his message. Paul tells the church of Philippi, outside of Timothy, I have no man who is like-minded. Let me, let me give you these and I'll be done. Consider not only should you um, be concerned with the under-shepherd because of his message, but secondly, I want you to notice his motives. 
Look at his motives. I'm almost done. Verse number 20. Notice his motives. Timothy's motives. He said, I have no man like-minded who will naturally care for your state. For all seek their own, not the things which are Jesus Christ. You know what he says about Timothy and his motives? His motive was to care for the church of Philippi and not care, be concerned with his own, his own publicity, his own fame or fortune. May, may I say this? I desire your concern for me because how I care for you. Some preachers are afraid to preach like this. I'm not. I want your concern. I want your care. You better know something. I do care for you. I want you to care for me. We ought to care one for another. Can I say I care about your soul? I care about your homes. I care about your struggles. I care about your needs. I care because I've been called. Can I say I did not pick up this life? God placed it upon me. I didn't choose this. God chose this. And with it come a burden. <laughs> I've got a note here. And I think it's true. I wrote down, I, th I think I care more about some of y'all's Christian life more than you do. Because there's, there's so many people uh, I've tried to help. And I genuinely want them to get things right between them and the Lord, whatever it may be. And I think I care more than they care. Can I ask something? Is the preacher more concerned about where you are with God than you are? I'm talking about concern Christianity tonight. Y'all still with me? Ain't you don't go to bed on me. Talk about thinking about things, considering things, being concerned about things. Number one, the saints. We all love one another. Number two, the Savior. Number three, lost souls. Number four, the under-shepherd. Notice his message and his motives. But then thirdly, Brother Chris, I want you to look at his mentors. Who is Paul's mentors? I, or Excuse me, who is Timothy's mentors? Verse 22. But you know the proof of him that as a son with the Father, he has served with me in the gospel. Paul makes the church of Philippi consider the consistency and the proof and the proving of Timothy based upon his relationship with him. Guess who they did trust? Paul. So Paul puts his approval on Timothy so they'll in turn trust Timothy and let Timothy pastor them and lead them. Paul says consider his mentors. In other words, Paul puts his approval on him because he's seen him in action. He's seen him firsthand. They've served together, took sweet counsel together, preached together, prayed together, labored together. They've, they've fought together. May I say you can tell a whole lot about a char the character of a man based upon his counsel. Amen. You can tell, hey, neighbor, they some fellas, they try, to, they try to act the part. I'm done. They try to act the part. I've been around them. I go to meetings. They're there. They try to act like they're all behind me and all that. But I know who their counsel is. They ain't fooling me. They ain't fooling God. I know who their buddies are. Are you with me? Full-blown, skittle-eating, contemporary, liberal, just live how you want, and we all hold hands and go to heaven, sing kumbaya, amen. Come on, somebody. They got Biden 2022, you know, and all that in the back window. Help me right there. Come on, somebody. Are you with me? And then they come into church camp meeting like our church and they want to act like they're... You know what Paul's telling Timothy? 
But Paul's telling Philippi, Church of Philippi, you can trust Timothy because I have been his counsel. You know what you need to consider? Listen, I may not be the pastor here next Sunday. I could fall over dead tonight. You do realize that, don't you? I'm not just preaching and preparing this church for the now. I'm talking about if I ain't here. God's will, I plan to die right here in my post. I hope the Lord don't come back for the next 40 years. I get old and just, I mean, preach till I can't preach no more. That's my goal. But God may have other plans. Listen to me. You better, before you put somebody else in this pulpit, you need to take into consideration who their counsel is. Who are their mentors? One of the sweetest things I own is my certificate of ordination. It's not because of my name. It's because of the names of those men who signed it. Talk about real men of God. So I'm going to ask you tonight, are you concerned? Are you a concerned Christian? Are you concerned with saints? Are you concerned about the Savior? Are you concerned about sinners, lost souls? And are you concerned about the under-shepherd? Let's stand. Father, we love you. Thanks for this.